I tell you to be different and creative and think this way. A much used business cliche. Kayla. What is outside the box? You got it. We're flying high with the wings and talking all things lacrosse. You're now listening to the Outside the Box podcast right here on Underground Sports Philadelphia. OTB Nation, welcome back to another episode of the allegedly award-nominated, honorably mentioned, now viewable on YouTube, Outside the Box Podcast. It's episode number 225, KB and DJ not sitting next to each other in studio this week. Don't worry, in a couple weeks it'll be that way again. uh, We got a lot coming at you this week, content-wise. Our Albany vlog should be up later this weekend for your viewing pleasure because uh, the boys had ourselves a time up in upstate New York. Uh, much better opening weekend for both of us than last year. Let's just say that. Uh, we're going to get into the NLL Finals uh, Game 1. We're going to give you our pick for Game 2. Recap Albany real quick for you because we know it's later in the week. We're also going to ask you guys a couple questions because we, we're, you know, do you want two episodes a week? Do you want us to make that happen? Is it something you want, recap-wise? We'll get to that. Uh, we got a on-site Drake Porter do review that we filmed in Albany. And then we're going to get into our Charlotte preview for week two of the PLL. But before we get started, make sure you guys are following us on the socials at OTB Laxpod, Twitter and Instagram. Follow DJ on Twitter at SCS underscore next great. Follow me at KBIZZL311. Check out the website, undergroundsportsphiladelphia.com, for all of our written content. Subscribe to the podcast feed, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts, we are there. Uh, and the more five-star ratings and reviews, more subscribes that we get on those, the more people find the podcast and can enjoy the fun lacrosse banter that we bring to you guys each and every week. And, of course, subscribe to the Underground Sports Philadelphia YouTube channel. Full video episodes of OTB every Friday for you. And full video episodes of your favorite Underground Sports Philadelphia shows on our YouTube channel throughout the entire week. Plus, that's where all of our in-person vlogs are going to be. So every weekend we're at, we're going to be vlogging, and you're going to get them on our YouTube channel. Big thank you to our sponsors who make this show happen. Tomahawk Shades, the best small batch eyewear in the game. Go to TomahawkShades.com. Use promo code USP at checkout for 25% off your order at TomahawkShades.com. That's promo code USP at TomahawkShades.com for 25% off your order. Kenwood Beer, the official beer of the underground. Go to KenwoodBeer.com and use the Kenny Tracker to see who's got Kenwood Beer on tap in the Philadelphia area. Got to be 21 or older to do so. And, of course, please drink responsibly. And what might be DJ's new favorite sponsor, Bino Board. Deej, we, we got some preseason Bino in 
this weekend. Let the people know. You, you got your first taste. Yeah, I mean, I absolutely loved it once I was able to figure it out. First game was a little rough, figuring out the flick, seeing how things bounce, using the the side bounce boards, whatever you want to call them. Uh, had a lot of fun figuring that first game out. Second game, I really caught my wind, washed things through, made it look good. And uh, I'm really excited to keep playing, get my own board here, smash my friends so uh, I can run table in the Bino board league. Yeah, the UBL coming to our YouTube channel very, very soon. Uh, DJ's first official match will be in a couple weeks when he's back in town. Uh, and I should be recording a match or two this weekend that will be uh, getting ready to go up on the YouTube channel soon. You guys can get in and on all the action uh, at BinoBoard.com. That's B-I-N-H-O-B-O-A-R-D.com. And use our code BinoUSP for 10% off your order to get your own board, accessories, merch, all that good stuff. BinoUSP at BinoBoard.com. Deej, we had game one of the NLL finals when we were up in Albany. Uh, one of the most electric NLL games in recent memory. Um, and the fact that it happened for game one of the finals was great. We had seven hat tricks in this game. Absolutely stupid. Um, I don't think you could have asked for a better opening game for the NLL finals to be on ESPN, to be on TSN. Uh, the most back and forth game that I can remember since the 2019-2020 season when Saskatchewan and Halifax played, um, which is one of the most iconic games that I can remember in NLL history. This game goes to the Bandits, though. 15-14, Nick Weiss with the the game winner. Um, the boy, Tahoka, had himself a game. Seven points, five goals, two assists. Uh, and, of course, my man, the Mad Hatter, Connor Robinson, had nine points three goals, six assists. Um, this game was electric. I mean, both teams played extremely well. It was it was just a matter of Buffalo getting that last shot off um, because it was back and forth the entire game. Like, we had 12 goals in the second quarter. Like, that's just absurd. Um, and, like, as much as we want all of the guys who play in the PLL back – on their PLL rosters, I'm hoping this this series goes three because if we can get three games like this, that is just an unbelievable way to cap off the first season fully back for the NLL. I mean, would I love to see three games? Yes, but there is no way we are that blessed on this earth <laughs> to get three games like this in the NLL. Like that would just be un- like this season. For me, especially being first year, really being in it, like this season was amazing. Like almost all the games were, you know, must see lacrosse, like into it. Couple goal game where you had to be watching to know what's going on. You had to stay in the game. Um, but then, you know, the playoffs, literally every game has been, you know, if you if you look away for a second, you've missed two goals, three goals. And, you know, you look up and you're like, what? It was just three to five. And it's, you know, it's six to nine and you're completely lost. Like I've absolutely loved the action. I mean, every team has come out with such passion, such emotion, playing hard. You can tell how much an NL championship means not only to their team, but also to their fans, the organization, the city. Everybody's really putting in on championship effort. 
that's what I was here for. These are the kind of teams I want to be a part of. This is who I want to be a fan of, a team that has the community and the fans, the entire organization that rallies behind, you know, that 25-man roster that's going out on, on the field. That's what I like to see. This finals between Colorado and Buffalo is a perfect example of that. Two teams that have their community and everything behind them battling, and you could see it. I mean, this one goal game was a complete battle from the first whistle to the last. I was just happy to pick this one right, and I think I'm going to pick the next one right. But, uh, you know, just to bring home the crown, even though I think I think you're going to win playoff either way, whether I win this next yeah, game Yeah, we'll have to not. check the the records on playoffs, but DJ does get the NLL regular season crown in our pick em, Um with this win because there was a way that if I had won last week and I, it goes, if it had, if this series had gone three and I won the first game, we would have tied, which would have been the most ridiculous thing ever. Um, but hats off. Congrats on the, the regular season pick them title. Um, but yeah, I mean, like you said, this being your first year and a lot of people being first year NLL fans who are kind of on that casual route or like trying to find their favorite team. Like, to get these two fan bases in the NLL Finals, too, and you're going to see it Saturday night at 8 o'clock now. Thank goodness for an updated, better for our, our East Coast brains uh, start time. But to get the Loud House in the playoffs is going to be boncos. Like, I can't even begin to predict what it's going to be like in Colorado on Saturday night. And we saw what it was like on, on, you know, last week in Buffalo. Like, you had Joe's McFly from fucking John Boy Media making the trek up to Buffalo to go watch an NLL game in person in Banditland. Like, that's what these two fan bases are. These are two of the top five fan bases in the league in terms of fan attendance, passion, electricity. And this is the finals. Like, they do this every single week. Like... It's the it's these two teams. It's Saskatchewan. It's Philadelphia. Like these are the t- types of cities that bring that passion every single week to their their NLL squads. And it was really cool to see on Twitter too. Like everybody who's involved in the lacrosse world that we're friends with and like are adjacent to the lacrosse world. It's like we all can't wait for this to be just a week by week thing in the NLL, in the PLL, college, like. Starting to see, you know, the sellouts at the the women's final four and at the championship game, like that's what we want every single week. And now that we're seeing it for the finals, now that it's being broadcast on ESPN, on TSN in Canada, like it's really starting to feel like it's taking shape in terms of like fandom and everything and the support for the sport that like we're entering like that next phase of lacrosse being like quote-unquote, on the map, for lack of a better term. As much as some people hate that there are so many different ways that we play the game of lacrosse, it's what makes us unique. You know, yeah, there's a thousand different ways to play football and basketball and all these other sports, but how many of those different ways are actually played, actually televised, actually being put into the Olympics? We are now going to have sixes in the olympics and televised we're gonna have 10 v 10 college we're gonna have 10 v 10 field as far as pro we're gonna have box pro all being televised and played like 
that's huge. That's putting more eyes on the game. And if you know anything about basic fandom of sports, they want action, they want lots of scoring, and they want excitement. Box and Sixes gives lacrosse the most of that for the average fan. We need those variations of our game to help expand and grow the game so that it does get to these sellouts where we have random fans. Go to a football game, a baseball game, a basketball game. There's a thousand people, if not more there, that could care less about sports and have no clue what's going on, but those games are enjoyable. They can enjoy themselves there. There's action. Take advantage of having box and sixes, build up that basic fan base, and then we can start to see sellouts at, you know, a PLL game or an NLL game, every game, every city, you know, no matter where it is. Yeah, that one picture of Banditland last weekend with the lights on and everything, like, was so dope. And, like, that's ever since we started this podcast and I've, like, gotten into the NLL, like, that's what I've wanted to see at every game because I know it's, like, I know the fan bases are capable of it and I know the cities and the markets that the NLL is in are capable of it. And, like, Buffalo, Colorado, Saskatchewan, like, the teams that have been around. Like, I'm not going to throw Philly in there just because it's brand new and we haven't had that playoff atmosphere yet. But from years past, you've seen it in Philadelphia as well. Like, those cities off the top of my head, and I'm sure, you know, there's others too that I just haven't personally seen yet. Toronto will probably be there uh, even more so next year. Um, Those are, like, the gold standard teams. And you want to see that in the smaller markets. You want to see that in these new markets. And I think we started to see that a little bit with San Diego this year, with with people going out and watching that series against Colorado, which was very exciting, especially for a lack of, you know, not that San Diego itself is a small market, but they're a small market team when it comes to the NLL. And they're building that fan base up and trying to get people in the door. And I think it was very encouraging to see what we saw from them in the Western Conference Finals. Um, but this is like the gold standard and like, this is like exactly what the NLL needed for, you know, their, their brand of lacrosse to be on display to the masses is to have a Buffalo, have a Colorado with these passionate, insane fan bases. And it's only going to continue on Saturday night, uh, as game two gets set to kick off, which might as well get right into it. Deej game one was a banger game two. I'm sure will not disappoint whatsoever this week. We can feed some ducks because we are not in the same room using a different program, obviously. Uh, but it is time for the NLL finals game two pick of the week powered by pickup. You guys can go to playpickup.com, Start playing the hottest headlines in sports, rack up points on your fan profiles, cash them in for prizes on the pickup marketplace. Go to playpickup.com now. Could potentially, DJ, be the final NLL pick of the week for the 2021-22 season. So we've got to pick carefully. And I feel like our allegiances are not going to falter once again. Which I'm not mad about. Because it makes it more electric going forward. Me personally... Knowing my brand and what it has been since 2018, 2019, I had to pull up the, the the screenshot a couple weeks ago, which is just perfection. Um, 
I, I gotta stay loyal. I gotta go with the, the squad that follows us on the Twitter machine, has been an OG supporter of the pod. Gotta go with friend of the program, Dylan Ward, and the rest of those mammoth boys to get a win at home for the Loud House faithful and force a game three, which then it's anybody's ball game back in Banditland. Uh, and I'm also probably just wish casting being selfish that we get a repeat of game one in terms of back and forth, in terms of just high scoring, high octane electricity, just a couple feet above sea level uh, out in Colorado. Give me the Colorado Mammoth to win game two, force a game three, and uh, make it, you know, winner take all for the NLL Cup. And still, those dudes want to get back to to their chaos brothers so bad. You, you can see it in you know in the way they were playing last week. You know, chaos took a tough loss. I looked you right in the face in the press box immediately after that game was over, and I said, "Buffalo by a thousand. Granted, it was by one. But I was like, no way. Yeah, Buffalo. divide that by 100 real quick. <laughs> I was like, no way does Buffalo lose tonight, right? I was like, after why? Because we all know those chaos guys that are playing in Buffalo watched that chaos game last week. And after watching them lose, especially with the way that they played, they didn't play bad. There's no way they're going to lose that game. They came out. They took care of business. They won a slim game. They want to get back so bad. I think they do whatever they have to do in what is going to be a bananas building in ball arena but i think they can go out to colorado and win it take care of business sweep it still be champs and then do whatever they have to do to get over to pll and keep things rolling over there now i do have to ask you because i feel like it's kind of a big deal would you feel different about this game if ryan lee was playing It would definitely make me consider a little bit more because he is a big, I mean, integral part of their offense. But I think it's it's the idea that Buffalo does not want to play a game three. I don't think they want to. There's too much hanging on that. Yeah, they're going to play I think the only reason they'd want to play a game three is, if they, is just to win at home. But that's like the only reason. What's the point in doing that? What's right. the point in scaring yourself like that? You know, like that's yeah, the, that's like the only like thing where it's like if they do lose, they'll probably be like, oh, we can just win at home in front of our fans, and because I think when Calgary won in 2019, I could be wrong, so don't don't fact check me on this. I think Calgary won in Buffalo to win the title. Yeah, I don't think they're looking to necessarily win at home. But if they were to drop this one, and that would be kind of their positive spin on it. Like, hey, we did these things wrong today. We did these things right today. But hey, let's just go win it at home. It's a very positive spin on dropping game two. I could see them, you know, turning the tide that way after the game. But I think they're going in looking to close things out and to be playing uh, in Long Island for PLL weekend. I'm trying to pull it up here to see if I was right about Calgary uh, 
winning in Buffalo. Um... Sometimes we all just need to wind down after a long day of enjoying our favorite sports teams go to work. And with the rise of streaming platforms, new TV shows and movies are popping up every single week. And it might be overwhelming not knowing exactly what to watch. Well, that's where streamer season comes in. The exclusive streaming platform discussion podcast for TV and movies on the Underground Sports Philadelphia Podcast Network. Join me, KB, and a plethora of our hosts right here at USP breaking down all the new TV and movies that you guys should be watching across all the various streaming platforms that are available to the masses. Catch us on streamer season wherever you get your podcasts. Well, the fun part about Calgary winning the 2019 titles is in overtime. Ooh. They won that game. That is always fun. Uh, oh, no, they did win in Calgary. So they, they won game one in Buffalo, and then they won in Calgary. Um, but, yeah, it should be just an exciting game overall, no matter what. I mean, this NLL season has been – such a shot in the arm for so many people who have been waiting for the NLL to get back in action. And it's going to be capped off either, you know, with a, a title being hoisted on Saturday night, or we get the ultimate treat of one final game for all the marbles. Um, and either way, that's a perfect cherry on top to what has been a fantastic NLL season. Um, Real quick recap of PLL Albany. The boys were up in upstate New York, had a ton of fun. Uh, Albany showed out, um, especially for the first time being opening weekend in Albany in PLL history. Obviously, the two seasons that have been on the tour uh, have opened up in Boston at Gillette Stadium, but opened up in Albany. Fun matchups, um, unexpected outcomes, I would say. Um, and arguably the best game of the weekend was the last one. Um, but to recap the game scores, Whip Snakes beat Chaos 9-8 in one of the ugliest games we have seen, uh, which was kind of expected with all the guys who uh, of note were playing in the NLL Finals. Redwoods take their lumps and lose to Atlas 17-11. Cannons beat Water Dogs 16-10. And then Chrome hang on to beat Archers 11-10. I'll say Chrome Archers was my favorite game of the weekend. Um, it was the most competitive in terms of just like watchability. And I think it was the most fluid game of the weekend where Whip's Chaos was just ugly. And as as close of a game as it was, it, it was not fun lacrosse. It was very, you know, choppy. And that was expected because you have a bunch of guys from Chaos who haven't really played in a game setting together. Um, and then you have whip snakes also trying to work some kinks out and bringing in some other guys playing in positions they haven't played within this whip snake system before Atlas Redwoods was just embarrassing for Redwoods. Um, we'll, we'll talk about that game in just a little bit. Cannons water dogs was kind of a tale of two halves. Cannons just got out to such an early lead that they were able to just kind of coast in the second half. Almost 
which allowed water dogs to climb back in a little bit, but that game was over before the second half even began. Um, but Chrome Archers was the most fun, watchable game uh, of the weekend in terms of like just seeing two teams compete, um, go back and forth, and I, I really enjoyed watching that game. Chrome impressed me a lot, um, especially with their ability to just hang on. Great, great stuff by Mike Manley on Marcus Holman uh, to kind of save that game for Chrome. Um, but overall, I mean, even though the games were kind of blowouty in a, in a lot of ways, it was still a very entertaining weekend. Um, I probably are the, my take on Atlas in the preseason is probably going to be the equivalent of my take on Albany in the NLL because Atlas looks like a fucking juggernaut and I hate it. <laughs> They do look really good to start the year, but looks can be deceiving. It is the beginning of the year. A lot of teams have chemistry things to work out, missing guys, etc. I'm interested to see. They, to me, they're in a very good position because they're mm-hmm. not really missing guys. They seem to have clicked early, so if they can keep this going, they're in a position where they're not necessarily playing catch-up like everyone else. And... Um, we could be talking about them walking away with another first place finish or a first place finish this year after being second last year. But, you know, if chaos comes back and those guys are good and they fall in line, they're going to make a run. The woods can figure out their offense. They'll be able to make a run whips. Obviously when they get Zed back are liable to make a run. They can't slouch one bit. Is Atlas looking like the best team in in the PLL right now? Absolutely. But if they take one step back, they could easily be fourth, fifth, sixth best team in the league. It's that simple. Yeah, I think they look the most fluid. Um, their their attack line is ridiculous. Uh, I still need to go back and watch the first goal that uh, – or the one goal that Lyle Thompson scored and the first goal that Jeff Teeth scored and see which goal was faster in terms of time of – Ball in stick, ball leave stick, ball gets in back of net because both of those, you blink and you miss those goals. They were ridiculous. Um, Chris Gray looks like a, a pro and a half already, um, which people are already <laughs> online, you know, saying, oh, did Crow mess up by taking Logan Wisnowskis over Chris Gray? No. But the fact that Atlas was able to get Chris Gray for free in this economy is ridiculous. Um, I mean, we're, we're big fans of this rookie class. It's obviously not as stacked as last year's rookie class. But overall, I think a lot of rookies made notable impacts. Logan got you know shut out on the scoreboard. But I think that opened up things for his counterpart in Brendan Nickturn. Um, he had a great debut. I think Asher Nolting had a fantastic debut. Chris Gray had a great debut. Um, and BK, BK Sticks had a phenomenal debut for Chaos, which really stood out to you um, because he was able to really clamp down on Juicy J, our guy Jay Carlson. And that stood out to me in a, a big way as a, a huge benefit for this Chaos defense that's going to be missing Johnny Serdick. But to be able to have BK play like that on a savvy veteran 
for most of the game was very impressive to me and might have been the most impressive performance by a rookie that won't get talked about because he's a defenseman. Yeah, I agree. I think that was the most impressive rookie performance of the week. Like I talked about it time and time again, last PLL season, last summer, like you want to beat the whips. You have to keep Jay Carlson off the board. You have to keep him from doing his garbage man, dirty plays in the middle where he just scoops up some unknown ground ball and tosses it in. Brett Kennedy gave him absolutely zero space. Like, like I said to you in the press box, he knows what their pregame meal was because he can smell it on Jay's breath. Everywhere Jay went, he went. It was a phenomenal game. Jay ended up getting one because that's what Jay does. He finds a way to get one. He's but the just, trash man. Yeah, just just the way he BK played him was was unreal. But now, like the real question about their defense is, can I believe this is no disrespect, but obviously everybody's heard the way I talk about Jack. Ninety nine is going to do his thing. He's going to shut it down as long as. Jay New can continue to stay and play the way that he played last weekend. BK can, BK can continue to do that. But then, you know, if things start to slip, they have to make adjustments. Jared Newman's going to have to slide inside. BK is going to have to be more of a cover guy. And then we'll see what he's really got when he's going to have to go out inside and really play a guy cover. We're going to see what BK 11's got because that's when it gets tough in the PLL. You can always shut off a guy and play inside pretty well. But when you got to go, you know, guard a guy that's going to dodge and take you to the cup. We, we see what you really got. So I'm excited to see what he's got because he, 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 although he won't get rookie of the year because of his position, in my opinion, he's got a strong case for it. Yeah, he looked great, and uh, it was great for my brand. Uh, even though you're not a fan of the sticks, you got to admit, he pulled it off. In your book, I know not not many, if at all, can pull it off. BK looked pretty damn good in that number 11. Well, what I'll say is sticks is an okay number for poles. You got a long stick, you can pull off, you can pull off the sticks. Long sticks look good with the palindromes. They do. I mean, also that defense being all palindromes is fucking elite. That is also fantastic. 11, 88, 99. And they have 44 with Matt Reese. And they just, like, 11 plus 88 is 99. Like, it's it's so great for my OCD. That That's just – it was a great performance by BK. I, he was my – I was most impressed by him uh, this weekend. Because I think the other rookies, it's like you kind of had predetermined expectations for what they were going to be. Um, but with BK stepping into that system and in such a – a heavy role with Johnny Serdic being out and how imperative he was to their defense last year for them to win a championship for PK to step in and look like a pro already, you know, in his first professional action was very, very impressive. Um, Redwoods, their offense just needs to figure it out. Um, Jules look great. <laughs> Jules is fantastic. Um, no perk. This weekend is going to hurt. We'll get into that in a little bit. Um, I think it's going to hurt, but we'll talk about it. Uh, they need John Saxton back like they need oxygen to breathe. Hold on that. Hold on that. D3 to PLL pipeline is going to come through this weekend. 
we have a Kennedy of our own that is going to ball out at LSM this weekend. I have all the faith in the world in Ryan Kennedy. He's a York man, was playing ball out there. I think he's got what it takes. Arden's going to end up down low. I think they take Finn out this week. Do I think they should take Finn out? No, I think it should be someone else. Um, but I think they'll take Finn out, put Arden down low. He's rocking 40. Yeah, uh, lacrosse Twitter, 40. Redwoods Nation. Uh, we are very, very close. We are one week away. I am, I am addressing the public here. We are one week away from Arden Cohen wearing an elite jersey number. We have bullied him so much that he has changed from his Lou Holtz left guard number 60 after one week to number 40 this week. So now he's playing like that weird hybrid, I'm a I'm a slim, thick, speed linebacker coming out of a Division II Mountain West school. We're very close. We're very, very close. Don't stop what you've been doing. Continue the slander. 40 is it's better than 60. He's dropped 20 pounds. We we gotta keep it rolling. Arden is too elite of a defender to be wearing these thick ass numbers. Let's keep the slander going. It's it's positive reinforcement, okay? Uh we both know how good Arden is. Casual fans are gonna say he looked terrible. We are gonna say he looked terrible. But we know why he looked terrible. He was out of position. That was a question that if we would have had more time or one-on-one time, I would have loved to have picked Nat's brain on that. Um, Hopefully, you know, we we write that wrong. We write that ship. And uh, we just continue to just bully him into a much better number than 40 um, as a defenseman. But I think Arden will have a bounce back week this week. Um, I'm kind of just writing last week off. It, it was a whatever. The last week was kind of just like a whatever week for Redwoods out, unless your name was Jules Henningberg. From what I saw. Oh, oh, hello. <laughs> From what I saw last week, it really looked like. Nat was allowing them to play through first game jitters. It looks like he walked in the locker room before the game and said, all right, for some of y'all, this is the first game of the year. For some of y'all, for some of y'all, this is the first professional game ever. So just go out there and have fun and play. We'll adjust as we can, but we'll just play. Get through the first game and we'll go from there. Like it really looked like he was just letting them play that first game and he'll make adjustments heading into this week, which I don't hate that. I don't hate that. I think a lot of teams tried to like ease into this week. And I think that might possibly bite some teams or this will possibly help the woods in a way where, you know, this, this next week and every week after they're kind of just playing because they've gotten all of that, everything else out. You just let them play, you know, the best way to knock a rust, you know, as they tell shooters to shoot, right? Keep shooting. If you're not hitting the net, keep shooting. One of them will go in. Same thing. Just play. Whatever happens, happens. Oh well. Oh, you throw it. You throw it away. Okay, get back and ride. We'll keep playing. Get through it. It's a tough game. Oh well, shake it off and keep playing. That's really what it looked like. I don't hate it. Did I hate it at the moment? Yeah, because I mean, it looked awful. But do I hate it moving forward? Not really. I did find it interesting that these two teams, Redwoods and Atlas, 
were the two teams that made goalie switches in this game. And in the press conference, Nat and Ben Rubior gave polar opposite answers as to why they did it. Nat said that it was game flow for Timmy, which me personally, I didn't agree with um, the change when it happened. Um, and then Rubior said that their change was predetermined, which I also find very interesting. He said that there's multiple players on that Atlas squad that they're going to look to get, you know, almost rotational minutes for. Um, and I mean, we've seen a goalie tandem in this league work before with archers, with Drew Adams and Gitz, and it's worked. It's a matter of, I think, for if, if you're going to employ that, if you're Atlas, you need to make sure... I mean, it looked like JD was totally fine with it. You need to make sure that Jack Cannon is in that mindset of like, okay, I'm going to play the first half or the second half, whatever it may be. And cause, just because of the position you play, I think you have to be in a mindset of like, all right, these are the reps I'm going to get. I got to go out there and just pop off for a half. Because I think it's a completely different mindset, not having played the position, but watching guys and having watched that goalie tandem of Gitz and Drew Adams of, Preparation is the biggest thing and just mindset preparation for only playing a half and not taking it as a slight at your play one way or another. Um, it's going to be interesting to see how they roll things out because I think JD played very well. I think Jack played pretty well too. Um, I just didn't really understand the, the change full-blown for Redwoods when it was a two-goal game at halftime. And then you and I both agreed that, you know, you needed to call a timeout after, you know, three straight goals peppered on Jack Kelly, not five. Um, I said they should have switched out again, but we'll see what happens because um, it's it's big time matchups for both of these teams moving into to Charlotte. But any other takeaways from Albany? I think Cannon's play. Stephen Kelly was fantastic. I think both well, Kelly's. Steven and Tommy Kelly were both fantastic. I think that was another headline of the weekend besides the two goalie swaps was face-off guys bounced back that needed a bounce back in a big way between Tommy Kelly, Bones Kelly, Connor Farrell. We saw a lot of face-off guys who have had down years or you know were out of the league last year bounce back in a major way, and that was very, very fun to watch because if we have more competitive matchups at the stripe this year – the better off I think games as a whole are going to be because both teams, whoever are playing, are going to get more opportunities for possession. It's going to be a much more, uh, you know, back and forth, highly competitive game because possessions are going to matter that much more. Well, touching on the the goalie situation, like for Atlas, I could see them absolutely like going into that thinking of splitting time. They probably both had a great camp but I don't think they're in the same scenario as archers where they're looking to split time because they have two really good goalies. I think they just don't know which one to go with one because of camp and two, because JD came in so well after Jack's um, or he came in after Jack's injury and played so well last year that you can't really just say, okay, JD, we're giving the job back to Jack. Like in my opinion, as a coach, you have to give JD a, like a full opportunity to mm -hmm. fight for that spot because of how he handled himself last year. So I think their scenario is more of just finding their guy for this year versus Archers was literally just like, 
we literally have two really good goalies and can't decide who's better. Um, and the Redwoods, I do think it was a gameplay thing. Like, like I mentioned at the game, like it's halftime and literally Timmy had zero saves. You can't play 24 minutes of lacrosse as a goalie at that level and have zero saves. You're you're like you're not seeing the ball at that point. I have to pull you, even if it's for like maybe he does go back in when Jack was struggling, but like I have to pull you for at least a few minutes. Like you literally cannot see the ball. That was more my issues. I have to do something. Not switching again when you have the guy you're replacing, somebody who, you know, for all intents and purposes, from what we saw, wasn't seeing the ball, gets five straight peppered on him in what felt like, you know, two minutes. Um, with just how quickly that Atlas offense was moving and how quickly Trevor was being able to get possessions on those those five goals. Um, that was where I was just, like, scratching my head. It's like, all right, like, clearly Jack Kelly doesn't have it right now either. Like, let's just see if, you know, Timmy can get it back. But well, that's where I think that letting the, the first game jitters go. Like, the defense wasn't necessarily helping Timmy that much like they weren't playing terrible in the first half but they weren't helping him a lot and it seemed to have gotten worse when Jack got in the game like they literally weren't helping Jack literally like at all so in Nat's head he probably went well why am I going to put Timmy back in there D is going to play this bad might as well just let him play it out and do their thing like he literally looked like he just let the reins go and was like hey guys just play we're going to get through this game figure it out when everything is done and it's tough Goalies are head cases. It's it's tough going in, putting a goalie in, and pulling them, and you. That's a lot of tough conversations to have. I, I, it's being a coach now, and un, it, it's. I start to understand some of the decisions they make because you got to go have conversations with your players afterward, and like, you start to. It starts to get hard having two, three, four conversations after a game because of some of the decisions you made. So you kind of minimize that as much as you can. And like I said, you kind of just got to play out those jitters. Loved the Kelly boys this weekend. TK, Steven, both did phenomenal. I mean, I didn't expect to eat. And TK, I was like, uh, maybe, possibly. You know, we didn't know what to really expect from him after his last two years. But it's Bones, I was not expecting that. I was like, oh, he's going up against – who do they have? Uh Jake Withers. Yeah, he had Jake Withers. I was like that. That unit's gonna do perfect. Like they're fine. And I think he won. Tease. Bones won the first. I don't know seven, eight in a row. And I was yeah. like, I was literally up in the box, and I was like, "Yo, what is going on?" We all like, were. Because we I, I mean, I had Jake on my fantasy squad. I was like, I picked the worst faceoff guy for the weekend. Like this is this is ridiculous. And going into it, I thought I did because. TK had a fantastic game against Nards where he went almost 50%. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it was, it was great from, from the Kelly boys at the stripe. So hoping for more success for them moving forward. Um, you know, my two favorite positions on the field, other than defense, obviously, because I played or goalie and face off because your special teams are the reason you win the game. You got a good face off. You got a good goalie. That means you got more possession. You're scoring more goals. And so as those a former, are important. as a former kicker, and a former, you know, just just big supporter of the guys that don't get enough love. 
having covered lacrosse the way I have, I've fallen in love with the face-off positions of seeing the success of, like, seven out of the eight face-off guys for the most part uh, this weekend was very fun. If that can stay consistent, man, we're in for, like, an unreal season at the Stripe. Yeah, and then my only other takeaway was the Chrome offense, I think, is sneakily, like, fourth best offense in the league low-key like putting nick turn down low and having their attack line be nick turn logan and malloy is a power move because now your first midfield can be justin anderson colin heacock and jackson Murrell. like there's so many options they have in midfield now with all of the pieces they have there to add to that I mean, just filthy attack line. I mean, Logan can literally do everything. Brendan can do everything. And then you have, I mean, Dylan Malloy sets his foot into the ground. You might as well put a point on the board. If he plants his foot, the Ripper's going in. And Sudo said in the press conference he lost a lot of weight this offseason. Wasn't sure how he was going to, you know, be able to perform with the way he did last year and, like, be a similar type player and, he looked fantastic. He looked like he did in college. I mean, taking it straight to the rack, like, you can't stop me. You can put two or three people in front of me, but I'm literally just better than you at lacrosse. And, like, it was unreal to see. I'm happy to see that Dylan Malloy come back. His shiftiness was so much, like, more fluid. It didn't look, like, laborious like mm-hmm. it did last year. And I think that weight loss is just going to be that much more helpful for him out there to be able to shift around defenders and be able to take it to the rack like he did this weekend. Yeah, I'm I'm excited to see that offense continue to flourish because they got they got some pieces and they're really I I still think they're a piece or two away on that offensive side in terms of midfield depth and being able to cycle through guys that can continuously keep that production going. But they are definitely in a good space to continue to grow and we could be talking about them in a year two maybe three of being you know top two top top two if not the best offense in the league i will bring this up before we get into uh our next topic somebody brought this up to Diggs this past weekend uh in his mentions want to pull this up and not mess it up uh, it was about Jake Carraway. And obviously was not he was on the restricted roster last week for Atlas. He's not even on that this week for uh for Atlas, but um somebody brought up trading Jake Carraway to Chrome. I wanted to get your thoughts on that of Caraway potentially being in with with the beauties. Um, I'm gonna try to find the full blown tweet as to the reasoning, but that intrigues me. And Caraway would look so fucking good in that uniform. <laughs> well, well, I won't say. <laughs> well, I won't say it can't happen. Because as we seem crazier, do know Rubio likes to do away with draft picks. He loves using them. He loves obtaining them, trading them, 
Uh, Caraway is a phenomenal player, so I wouldn't be surprised to see uh, Rubier go, yeah, I'll take a pick or two for Caraway. And now we're talking about uh, Caraway being in that midfield along with Hecott, Muriel, Justin Anderson, etc. Mm. Jordan McIntosh had a good week last weekend, too. You're mixing him in with those guys. Like Caraway going to the Chrome, I personally like a lot. Chrome is low key becoming a league pass team for me on the low. Um, I mean, obviously the color scheme is nice, but just, you know, some of the players they have um, absolutely love JT Giles Harris. Um, Connor Farrell is just a ball of energy. Their offense is amazing. I uh, am not opposed to Mr. Half Tuck, Fully Tuck, whatever Tuck, Caraway making his way over to the beauties here it is uh this is at Ryder cochran on twitter um my random with zero info prediction caraway traded to chrome by the deadline wisnowskis left wing nick turn x caraway right wing is a hell of a young trio they leave malloy down malloy can't run out of the box they're gonna leave leave him down and attack but i mean yeah i'm not opposed to caraway going and and playing with the Buttes, I think he fits into their offensive scheme well. Even if they do, even if they were to take someone off of that attack line, he could switch out with Nick Turn or Logan and still be productive with that team, whether he runs out of midfield or he plays at attack. So, I mean, there's plenty of options for him over in the Butte uniform. Man, we haven't been fully tucked at all this year, and it's, it's messing with my mojo. Um, Albany was a ton of fun. Also, Mike Messenger – for the brand hashtag ding ding laid one out um he looked really really good uh this weekend for chrome as well i'm and i'm a big fan of him being in the league i think he's gonna be a helpful piece uh for the for that chrome team um just absolutely fucking laid one out which <laughs> was hilarious um but that being said where you are going to uh, bring you guys a special on-location edition of... Mountain Dew will tickle your innards because there's a bang in every bottle. <laughs> Yahoo! Mountain Dew! Alright, Deej. I'm already upset. I'm already upset. Who has a good guess at why I'm upset? You got the paper straw. I got a paper straw. I want to go back to Michigan. Like this. <laughs> we get plastic bags, we get plastic straws. We got the do review. DJ's got a double review. I'm gonna film his. He's gonna film mine. We're taste testing for the first time in person and exclusive. Each without any further ado.
Now they did say this pairs well with chicken. It doesn't taste flavorless, but I can't like pin it down. It's good. It's not bad at all. But like, until I can like figure out what the flavor is, I can't really even begin to rate it. I'm gonna look it up. Blackberry, citrus with ginger. time to do his do review drink order do review live from b-dubs mountain dew legend i just looked up what the flavor is any uh last last thoughts before you dive in? i'm intrigued by the blackberry i'll say that um not sure how the ginger's gonna pair with it obviously clay thompson has let us know that it pairs well with chicken so we might have to also add in the pairing flavor as a side review um but I'm, I'm excited, I like these exclusives. So here we go, Mountain Dew Legend, 
live from Albany, New York. It's Saturday night. Shout out SNL. needs to be freezing cold. I think simply just because of the flavor makeup. That's getting a solid like. That's a nine. I that's a nine. Nine flat. I typically no, you know what? I don't typically give the flat score nine one. It, it gets that little boost over the hill either 8991 uh, I really like the flavor makeup it's really really good it's smooth and like I said it's definitely got to be one that's like ice cold or you got to put ice in it. I'm typically not an ice guy but this is one of them that I can like clearly taste that needs the ice to pair well I'm excited to see what it tastes like with chicken uh, but by itself 91 this is sensational that's huge for you dude 9-1 is huge. 9-1 on the Mountain Dew Legend. I'm sad, but not sad that you're not a drinker because we I'm have excited. the alcoholic version. I'm excited up. for the Long Island with that. Would have been dope if you to do one, but hey, this is about to be dope. And then we'll do the chicken one. I don't know. Little side, not? little side review. Yeah, little we'll bonus. do a side review. Dude, this is probably we back. Two reviews in one coming this time. Technically three for me. We'll start with the Legend Long Island. It's got uh, vodka gin, triple sec, the lemon, and then the Legend Long Island, or Legend Mountain Dew. Intrigued. Because with the way this tastes, I wouldn't be surprised if this tasted very, very good. Uh, now, granted, this is also on a different scale almost because it is alcoholic. Yeah. Yeah, it's on a totally different scale. It's like we have the can scale, we have the bottle scale. Then we got the fountain scale. Now we got the fountain cup scale. We got the alcohol scale. <laughs> it's different scales. But I will say, that was like the first thing that came to my mind. I drank it, I was like, this would go really good in the drink. So, here we go. bad thing about this drink is the blackberry citrus ginger like dissipates the alcohol. <laughs> it's very, very good. Um, this is one of those mixed drinks you replicate at the crib on all real. Like, this is very, very good. Um, thank you. Um, I'd give this on our new scale. I guess I'll hop right in and uh, get a piece of chicken. Whipped chicken, 9.2. 9.2. Yeah. 
All right, people, we we're are back. back. We're doing the with chicken bonus review. We got the traditional Chipotle barbecue dry rub going with the Mountain Legend. DJ bumped his score up quite a bit with the chicken. I had 1.2 points. I will say I have spicy garlic and medium buffalo boneless. I took, we a, both got I a, took a bite. Spice. I took a bite of the, the medium buffalo. We got a little spice going on with it, which I think is going to work really well. DJ pointed out. So here we go. Oh, great bite. Great bite. Uh-huh. Oh With the chicken. It's a nine-two. It's a nine-two. That's unbelievable. What a pair. Whoever whoever had the taste buds and the palate for that, hats off to you. Well done. I would say what I want to say, but we have a kids audience. So I won't. <laughs> but they definitely uh, deserve a nightcap. Yes, well done. Awesome job. I want to kiss you on the forehead. <laughs> Top bins, top tier commentary. Top drawer, upper 90. You already down. know. <laughs> you already know. Time, no. I think that's how it always goes. Like, like 45 minutes, and we're at like Chelsea. <laughs> what are we doing? <laughs> Um, I'm Dominic Ponteri. I'm Matt And we are here to talk about Champions League soccer today. Hey, it's Top Ben's time. What's up? We're back. That was our on location Drake Porter do review limited edition only available at B Dubs. That was that was a good one, Deej. That was a good one. Big fan. I'm going back for that Long Island for sure. I got I got I can have a couple of those. I can have a couple of those in a night and feel good. Not Maybe. not not the infamous ten that that Quay had. Down there, chickies and beets, but <laughs> I can have quite a few. Yeah, talk about the island boy. <laughs> yeah, that's why he's not coming with us this summer. Yeah. Man's going all over the all over the globe. <laughs> he's not staying in the country anymore. Man said he's going international. He's got Man. passport stamps to run. <laughs> it's like Ash Ketchum out here. He said PLO. Been there, done that. He said, I got to get these badges real quick. I got to qualify for the Elite Four. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, but, yeah, very fun. Do review there. Um, add it to the database. 
added to the database. Let's get into PLL Charlotte. Um, this weekend should be a lot of fun. I know uh, everybody's calling for my, my, our boy Michael Harrison to bang the drum down there, which would be electric. Um, we will not be down in Charlotte, uh, unfortunately. But uh, some big-time matchups. going to run through them real quick in terms of just, you know, looking at the matchups, how we see these games, uh, you know, throwing down on Friday and Saturday night. Big-time night games. We got Friday night lacrosse back, which is always a doozy on the Twitter machine. We got Chrome Redwoods at 6 p.m. on Friday night, and then we got Chaos Archers, the uh, Ian mckay Connor Fields matchup where neither of them will be playing in it uh, at 8.45 and then on Saturday, we get Atlas Cannons at 6 p.m. and Whip Snakes Water Dogs at 8.45 p.m. I don't know why, but it always feels like every team just has a rivalry with Whip Snakes. Like, I feel like Chaos Whips is starting to get there, very similar to Woods Whips. And I feel like Water Dogs Whips should be a rivalry. I don't know why, but when I see those two logos next to each other, I'm like, these two teams should just fucking hate each other. I don't have any reasoning for it, especially now that like Drew Snyder's retired, Ryan Drenner's not on Water Dogs. Like, I have and Ben Reeves is not playing this year. Like, I have zero justification or reasoning for it. But just seeing those two logos next to each other, it's like these two teams should absolutely hate each other. Um, don't know why. Let me know if you feel the same in the YouTube comment section. Um, but let's start off with Chrome Woods. 1-0 Chrome, 0-1 Woods should be, I think this is a battle of physicality for, for these two teams. Sucks, Perk is doubtful for this game for that reason. Um, but whenever these two teams play, it does seem to be more a battle of, you know, being able to outgrit one another. TD versus Connor Farrell should be interesting, especially if Connor Farrell continues to play like he did in Albany. Um, Redwood's offense just needs to click. And we were talking about it in the box in Albany. Like we felt like the, the momentum was yoinked out of Redwood's as soon as RP three went down with his cramp. Um, but obviously he came back in and, and scored right away, but it felt like that moment. It was like, Oh geez, like the life of our team just got sucked out of us. RP three just has to shoot better than 16% this year first and foremost like you can't have that from the superstar player you trade for who is supposed to be the quarterback of your offense shooting below 20 percent like that just can't happen um Jules can't be your entire offense like Jules can have those games where he pops off but you have to have the other pieces around him doing something and Cav needs to play better this weekend Matt Cavanaugh did not look good in Albany. Uh, he needs to put the ball on people's sticks better. His, his passes were very errant. Um, and overall, the defense just needs to be much more locked in than they were in Albany in front of whoever is playing goalie for this team. Um, because we saw what this Chrome offense was capable of early. And if they get off to an early start, it's going to be tough to bounce back because their defense 
did a lot of things that we weren't expecting from them going into the season. That's why I was like skeptical of their defense, but now seeing it and they're kind of playing a, just a man to man defense, which not, not everybody in this league does. It's more of a system defense than anything else, but pseudo's just kind of deploying them. Like go cover your guy. Like go, you have this guy, you're covering him. It's very NBA, very like NFL man to man defense, which works for this team because they haven't played a lot together as a unit. So deploying them man to man works. And I, I did not hate it one bit. Um, so that's going to be something that this Redwoods offense is going to have to, you know, take a look at and, and see how to beat that man to man. But the offense just needs to find some cohesiveness and not stall in the transition game because that was their biggest fault last year was their transition game was terrible and it's their offense just seemed to get stuck uh, in Albany against uh, that Atlas team. I think transition is, it's an iffy thing is it's all dependent on your team. The way the woods are set up TBH, they're not a transition team. They're not, they're more of a, Let's clear it, get it to our offense, sub those guys on and run our offense, which is fine. But once you get those guys on, you got to go. Dodge, dodge it there, bang it, reverse it, re-dodge. Like, they're just not fast enough in that settled offense. I don't mind them not pushing transition because it just doesn't work for some teams. But if that's going to be your case, you have to actually efficiently run your offense, which is their next step on that side. But I don't even think that's the real problem. I think the problem is defensively. They're a team that runs from that side of the field. When defense is playing well, Woods are literally unstoppable. Look at almost every game they've won in their entire history. Their defense was playing top-notch, which fed into their offense because the offense was just having the ball enough to where even when they weren't necessarily clicking right away, they had the time and the reps to figure it out in-game at the moment. They're not getting that right now. I think that starts with moving Arden down low and actually getting quality reps defensively, causing turnovers and, you know, clearing the ball, getting it down to the attack. But, you know, that's really where it's going to be is how can they handle this Chrome offense? Can they turn them over and make them uncomfortable and clear the ball? I think the offense runs from defense. Defense has to be comfortable and play well. That's the Woods' real problem heading into all of this. Chrome? It's I know I just talk so much about the defense, but for them, it's also going to be their defense. If the Woods defense is playing well, they have a task on their hands. They have to get into that Woods defense, get in their heads early, make them uncomfortable from the get up. Or, you know, if you let Jules pop off for two goals right away and Rob pulls one off and then Ryder pulls one off and it's four one or four nothing. You might as well call it quits, TBH. That offense is going to fire on all cylinders. Before you know it, Matt Cavanaugh's got a couple. Miles has a two bomb and an assist, and things have gotten completely out of control. So their defense has to lock in as well from step one. Whatever defense plays better this weekend is going to be the one that wins. Yeah, that, it's going to be an intriguing matchup. I think it's going to be a physical matchup. Um, oh, yeah, and- that part. You brought up the physical thing and Perk not playing. I – don't mind Perk not playing this weekend. You know, he had the injury last weekend that came up. Uh, it obviously affected the way he played last weekend. He wasn't very dodgy. 
didn't shoot. I don't even know if he took a shot. And if he did, it was only one or two. Um, was very passive in this game. Um, a little rest, a little, you know, all of that is never a bad thing, in my opinion. Let him take the week off and, you know, give Joe Robertson a chance, give Nakai a chance, and uh, run kind of some smaller mesh ups with the, with the offense. You know, a, uh, a Jules Nakai. Miles or uh, a Jules Joe Robertson Miles is a little more uh, combative, in my opinion. Let them pull Jules and then, you know, attack with with the other shorty instead of Miles there. Instead of attacking with Perk and Miles, there's so much congestion, in my opinion. They're so big. They want to be on the outside. They want to dodge from either that right, that right, um, right top or the middle top. That, those are literally like the only two places Milo and Serge dodge from. So they kind of stay stagnant there in the offense. Maybe it's time to separate those two, put them on two separate lines and give them more space away from each other to work. We have plenty of pieces on this offense to have them be a focal point in the line and make it more productive all around. So I think they should play with the lines on offense. And um, Serge sitting out this week for some some more speed to combat how physical this game is going to be could work out on the offensive side. Send, you know, Joe Robertson, Nakai, Jules on some sweep dodges. Just give them the ball and let them run. Run as far as they can, see if they can beat that brute strength with some speed and uh, create some goal opportunities. So I'm excited to see uh, what offense takes advantage of the small slip-ups that defense presents them with. Yeah, the only reason I'm, like, bummed that Serge isn't playing, and obviously, like you said, he didn't look like himself last weekend, so um, injury-wise, it's good that he's sitting out, but I think that was part of, you know, a a big problem last weekend offensive-wise is that, you know, we've relied so much on that exterior offense of, you know, beyond-the-arc two-point shots from Miles and Serge over the past couple years where – that lacking, I think, hurt in a way where if we were able to get that type of production against that Atlas team, uh, you see a much closer type of game. And you saw that later from different guys where you started to get those you know deeper shots from Nakai, almost from Charlie Bertrand. Um, if his like it was very like KD game seven against the Bucks, where if his toe wasn't on the line. Uh, you know, maybe get him a half size cleat <laughs> smaller, and that's a tuba. Um, but I think that being part of the identity of this Redwoods team almost since 2020, pretty much, you need to have a little more of that involved, I think, because we've seen that work. And if you can use the outside game to, you know, put emphasis on opposing defenses to be like, oh, we got to come cover the R. You can send guys inside, and then that's when you can score, you know, quick interior goals and send some of those shiftier guys inside uh, to kind of crash the net. Complete opposite. I literally think the complete opposite, and it's more of uh, looking at the whips and looking at um, though that – that Miami stint with LeBron, you take you take your inside shots, your easy quote unquote easy shots first. Then you let the defense you let the defense converge in on you 
over worry about the middle. And then that's when you take the outside shots, they're additives, they're extras. We don't want that to be the base of our offense. Look at the Warriors. Anytime they're not hitting threes, they're SOL. If Steph Curry, you know, look at that 2016 NBA Finals game four. They're playing in Golden State. Kyrie Irving had one of the best defensive games I've ever seen in his life. Hold Stephen Curry to two points in the first half because Steph Curry literally couldn't get a three off without him being smothered, so he couldn't hit one. That's kind of what this Woods offense looks like right now. We're in a position where we're not getting those open two-point shots. So now our defense looks stagnant and we can only put up – our offense looks stagnant we can only put up a couple goals a game. It's not where we want to be. Get those inside looks going and then use that two-point game as an additive once you have people kind of slumping in and going extra on the inside trying to take those looks away. Only an additive. Because then when they're over-pressuring you out there, hit them with a hitch dodge, and now you step into a 12-yard shot, 10-yard shot. That's going in too. You have so much more options when you make them worry about the middle first versus worrying about the outside. It's a lot easier to worry about the outside and converge on the middle than to converge on the middle and worry about the outside. Which, again, it all boils down to RP3 can't be shooting below 20%. Or the fact that we need an actual inside threat as well. Ryan Lee, Clark Peterson, maybe Joe Robertson takes that slot this week. RP3 didn't look bad inside. I don't mind Jules subbing on RP3 sliding inside after they've worked it inside, worked it around and Jules playing X from there. I also need Cav to be passing way better than he was. Or just don't play. Um anyway, it, those those play two better. were play those better. two were the biggest like things offensively for me like in the the core offensive you know pieces for this team is you know kind of just carrying over from last year with with rp3 shooting percentage but cav also needs to pass better like if you're gonna be on that outside you got to be able to you know hit your man and be able to set up guys across the board whether it's rider whether it's jules rp3 whoever it is you can't be sending balls 30 feet over guys heads uh Chaos Archers, this should be a fun matchup. Um, both teams 0-1, coming off one-goal losses. I mean, not that either team did anything wrong last week, honestly. Like, from both of these teams, I just want to see them continue to just do what they did last week. Other than Archers, I want to just see Matt Moore a little more often. He kind of disappeared in the second half of that game. Um, and... You know, granted, they, they caught some, some fire in the second half, but I felt like they were really bouncing around more and a little bit more shifty in the first half when Matt Moore was out there. Um, and we didn't really get a reason as to why. Um, Matt Moore kind of disappeared. Everybody was wondering where he went. But in this matchup, I just want to kind of see these two teams continue to do what they did last week. And it's going to be interesting for Archers. They don't have Inacio this week because of visa issues. Um, but overall, like I wasn't truly mad or disappointed with what I saw from either of these teams, knowing the circumstances that chaos were under, um, just continue to do what you did and just see what happens. Yeah. I'm this one, uh, there isn't a lot. It's more about, um, how good of a game 
does TK have? It's going to come down to possession. All right, Gitz is going to play well. Blaze is going to play well. Defenses are going to play well. The question marks with both these teams are offenses. And the only question mark really with the the Archer's offense is, you know, Grant being out. You know, not having Connor hurts a little bit, but you can really go without that because of how deep your midfield is. My opinion to what they what I think the Archers should do for success is to start Connor D. Simone down. I think he gives them more of a Grant A Mint type look. He was great. And, and to run Matt more out of the box with Tom Schreiber. Because hello. Who yeah, do you then, who, who do just, you pull with Matt Moore and Tom Schreiber on the same line? And then you just cycle kind of Matt Moore and Ryan Ambler, and we know what Ryan Ambler's capable of in this offense. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and there's plenty of options you can go with there in, in their midfield line, but I think Connor Simone is definitely the – He really attack. impressed me. And, I mean, I, I knew kind of what he had from watching him at Hopkins this year, but, like, to see how he slid into that offense and kind of took over that quarterback role that Grant normally plays and kind of played with the same style that Grant does – really helped that offense kind of find its footing in the second half. I just think it's better for their scenario right now. And I also think it's better for Matt to start taking those midfield reps because when Grant gets back, that's where he's going to be taking them. So I think he should get used to being up there, dodging from up there again, going against this talent at the midfield role because that's probably where he's going to play on this Archer's uh, offense. And looking over at chaos, the offense didn't look bad in my opinion. To you know, be in the position they're in. I like that they added Austin Stotts. Going to look and see what their offense does with the uh, new additions and you know people That's being huge out because like of, oh yeah, absolutely huge. With to get the boy back, that was breaking news today as we record this on Thursday. Austin Stotts is back in the league, reinstated. Um, that changes the whole look of their top four because now. You add Stotson, who hasn't played for this Chaos team, by the way, since the bubble. Because he did not play week one of 2021 when the incident happened. Um, he's playing with his teammate Westberg from San Diego. He's got Mac O'Keefe in there. Like, we joke about this team being the Buffalo Bandits, the Chaotic Bandits, but right now they're the Chaotic Seals. Um, because there's a bunch of San Diego Seals guys, which I think is also going to help Austin Stotts acclimate into this offense again and playing the field game for the first time since 2020 at the professional level that's a, a massive pickup for Andy Towers and like it's not the Stotts brother we thought that they were going to be picking up but to get a guy who has at least played for AT before in the past knows kind of what he's trying to do and it fits Austin Stotts' play style now you're adding a physical element because Austin's so big and he's so, you know, bulky and, and, and just a massive force, that changes so much of what they can do inside with this offense that now, to me, like, this makes Wes Berg so much more lethal across the board, whether he's, you know, crashing the net or having Wes Berg outside because we know he can rip a two-ball. <laughs> Again, the whole podcast hosted by Steve McAvoy and John Mavalia. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Get In The Whole Pod and be on the lookout for a ton of great content keeping you up to date on the world of golf. 
releasing weekly a part of the Underground Sports Philadelphia family of podcasts wherever you listen to your favorite shows. I'm just interested to see where they line them up. And then, you know, like I said, you know, especially after talking and, and really listening to what I've just said the last few minutes, TK has to have a huge game because if the Archers offense has the ball in their sticks enough, they're going to figure it out. They don't have that many guys missing. They have lots of good pieces. The more they have the ball, the more they're going to click. So TK's got to have a good game to keep it in Chaos's hands so their offense can have many, as many opportunities as possible. And, yeah, I just want to see if they're going to run Austin Stotts down at attack or if they're going to take him out of the box. I mean, he can do either one. There's no real say, rhyme they or might reason be, They why might do both. And, yeah, and there's also no reason why he can't do both. Like, there's so many options they have with Stotts to help their offense. So, um, TK is the real star here. That's who we're looking at. He has a good game. Chaos probably wins. He doesn't. Archer's offense might run away with it. Yeah, this is going to be – I think the most fun game to watch this week, especially now that Austin's back, um, which you and I were talking about off pod. We're like this weekend. We were like, do you think we'll ever see Austin Sots and Matt dead ever again in the league? And we were both like, maybe. And then this afternoon, boom, Austin Stotts reinstated. Uh, Cause we didn't know how that process would even work because yeah. obviously the contracts are signed with the league and not teams currently. So we didn't know how that was all, you know, going to shake out. But uh, we also both said that, you know, Austin being afforded this opportunity, we hope the same opportunity is afforded to Matt Gaudet if he chooses to take it. We'll see. Um, but I'm excited for this matchup. Archer's Chaos is always a fun matchup. Uh, Saturday, 6 p.m., first game, ESPN2, Atlas Cannons in – best offensive performances we saw this past weekend gets a match up in week two jeff teat versus lyle thompson um i mean lyle said it after the game uh to the espn crew wants to see them put together four quarters because they kind of you know slipped up and didn't really do too much after their big lead that they gained against water dogs this game is gonna be so fucking fast that don't blink like tape your eyes open because this is going to be one of the fastest PLL games like ever in terms of just like how quickly these offenses can move the ball how shifty these midfields are Romar is playing for Atlas this week which is going to be a lot of fun to see how he kind of factors into this year's brand of Bulls lacrosse um and I think you and I were saying before, you know, we started recording, Bones Kelly, if if he pops out like he did in Albany, oh, buddy, like, look out. Because this Bones Kelly, when he's on, like, we saw it, he can score. And going up against Trevor Baptiste, who once again put his full-blown talents on display last week, this is going to be an unbelievable matchup. The stripe. The stripe, the stripe, the stripe. Shout out, Beast. Face-off <laughs> athletes all over the world. Everybody watching this game. Anyone on the planet should be watching what happens at the face-off stripe. That is going to be the most important part of this game. 
if Trevor finds his groove and just runs away with it, Atlas is going to win like 28 to 5. <laughs> but if Bones steps in, gives him a run for his money, this is going to be a back and forth game that, you know, is going to come down to the wire. Maybe, you know, Bones has the week he had last week against Withers. Cannons could do the same thing and end up winning 22 to 2. Like, these are two teams where literally what happens at the stripe is going to determine it because their offenses are unreal. I didn't know what to expect with Cannons making the moves they made this offseason for their offense. 12 and a half. Hello. They there were teams so this, fluid. There were teams this weekend that didn't score 12 goals. And they did it in a half. So, like Lyle said, if they were to put four together, 24, maybe, if not more. Like this and even if you cut it in half, it. like that's like 18. Like they they could have put up more, and they put up 16 goals yeah. uh, on on the weekend. And man, but then you know you flip it on the other side, and we're talking about an offense that is literally loaded, loaded even without Jake Carroll. Like and, this, and is mind you, be... these two teams last year played an 18-17 matchup in Baltimore which was just unbelievable back and forth. And these two offenses scored the most goals collectively last weekend as well. They're just so even right now in terms of like how their teams are constructed. Defenses are playing great shut off defenses right now. Lots of energy. Cannons is getting Brody Merrill back this weekend. Hello. That defense is only going to get better. Um, Faceoff guys are looking good. Offenses are rolling. Goalies played good last week. Nick Morocco played so good. He's the only goalie rated in the, uh, the one tier for player Royale this weekend. Like, they have all the pieces they need on both sides. This is going to be a full-out heavyweight knockout punch matchup. And it's going to be much like Whip's Chaos last weekend. Who gets the last call? Who has the ball on their stick at the end of the game is probably going to win it. And as stupid as this sounds, like, as, and as early as this game is this season, like, this could be a very big swing game for the playoffs if these two teams continue to stay atop the standings. Um, very excited for this game. And like you said, if you're a face-off athlete in high school, college, you should be watching this game. You should be watching both of these games this weekend, taking notes, looking at how these four face-off guys play because the, the final game this weekend, 845 on Saturday, ESPN Plus, Whips, Water Dogs, again, two of the best in the world, Joe Nardella, Jake Withers. You already know Jake Withers is going to have a bounce-back game. It won't be, you know, the, the easiest matchup for him going up against Nards, but, like, these two guys are creme de la creme, some of the best on the planet, and... Whip Snakes, I think you and I said it after the game in the press box. They should not be happy with the way that they played last week offensively, unless your name is Mike Chan and Chuck, because Channy's back. Um, Water Dogs, tale of two halves. The, the score doesn't really tell how dominant Cannons was in that first half, but... If they want to beat this Whip Snakes team, they need to get Ryan Brown going. They need to get Michael Sowers going. And they need Ethan Walker to kind of be a facilitator to really open things up like he did when he first got inserted into this offense last year on Long Island. 
he needs to be kind of a you know in a a point guard role moving the ball around for this offense for those shooters to go and beat Kyle Burnlore because that's how you're going to win this game especially if Whipsnake's offense is still in the state that it was last week if you can get your shooters going if you're water dogs you have a real good shot to win this game uh, I think it starts with Ewok sliding down and starting at attack. I think Kieran McCardle should run the mid. I think he has more of a Jules-like aspect to him to play that hybrid role. Um, so I think that's really all their offense needs to do is switch those two, and I think they'll be fine. They didn't look bad last weekend, and I think this is a good matchup for them to be able to bounce back in. Uh, looking at the Whips defense, they didn't play exceptional last weekend. Burn lore was okay in net, but I mean he didn't look phenomenal. So like he looks better than he did towards yes. the end of last year, though. Which he was definitely a good looked signed. definitely looked better than he did last year, but like he didn't have a oh my god Kyle Burnlore's back kind of game. So like this is a game where their offense can definitely get things back rolling. I think their Water Dogs have the upper hand in my opinion in this game, looking at how their offense is constructed, especially if they make that switch, and then their defense is just playing better. Um, if you ask me, this is the water dogs to lose just because the whips don't have Zed. Whips have Zed. We're, we're probably talking about the whips almost easily winning this game, but since they don't and that offense being in the position it's in and their defense, I don't know what's going on with the whips defense, but it doesn't look how it's looked in the past. Water dogs have to take advantage of that. Dodge more up top with Mikey Schlosser and Zach Courier and, you know, run things through the mid, in my opinion run things through the mid, see, you know, if it doesn't work from there, that's when you go with your attack. Run it from the mid to start and then bump it through, you know, Ewok and and, uh, Michael Sowers to dodge from down low if you get nothing from up top. But I don't think anything can get in their way other than Joe Nardella having the game of his life in all reality. Yeah, I think the... The only thing I disagree with about what we saw from Whip's offense to... I'll say this, unless your name was Channy or Justin Gutterding. I know Gutty had a very good game, kind of playing more at his traditional role, playing attack, playing a quarterback almost for them last week. Um, I want to see more of that from, from Gutty because it's what he's good at. It's what he's you know known for. It's before Mac O'Keefe and Chris Gray. It's why he was the, the all-time leading scorer in NCAA history. Like Gutty can play that role, and he's, he's confident playing that role. Um, and we saw that last week against chaos and I think he looks comfortable in this offense. I think, you know, getting a full training camp in Stags' system and not kind of just being, uh, a trade deadline acquisition. He looks a lot more comfortable and I think he's going to continue that this weekend. Um, it's just a matter of, you know, you got to get Rambo cooking. You got to get Jay Carlson cooking and we'll see what they can do against a very good Water Dogs defense that I told you in the press box. If if I had my druthers, I might take that unit over any other unit in the league. Um, and I still feel very confident about that uh, after last week. And then I think the other big thing with this Water Dogs team for me that you want to see, how does Matt DeLuca respond to kind of just being peppered last week? You, you know, it's, it's no easy task, even though Whipsnake's offense wasn't as fluid last week. It's still a very tough matchup going up against playing Lyle Thompson and company to now playing Matt Rambo and crew uh, with this Whip Snakes offense. So I'm very intrigued to see how Matt DeLuca bounces back, uh, if at all. 
you know, who knows? Whip snakes could come out firing all on all cylinders, and Matt DeLuca gets you know hung out to dry again. Uh, but that's lacrosse, baby. That's the beauty of this game. And I think uh, without any further ado, because it is still about that time, we gotta feed more ducks. And it is time for our PLL Charlotte picks of the week, powered by the homies over at Pickup. Go to playpickup.com, start playing those headlines, the hottest headlines in sports. Rack up points on your fan profiles and cash them in for prizes. Playpickup.com. DJ, first matchup of the weekend is Chrome Redwoods, Friday night lacrosse, 6 p.m. Eastern time. How we feeling? This one hurts the heart but i am still a little concerned about our offense not quite being able to click um running into some issues with with the ball dying in sticks not getting good enough dodges not moving the ball fast enough not having an inside threat there's plenty of things i think as a coach that could change about the offense that they just haven't made yet um but the chrome chrome offense is scary as well their defense is playing good um, I, I got to go Chrome this weekend. I liked what I saw from Chrome's offense last week, but it was only for one half. That's a concern to me if you're a Chrome fan, if you're pseudo, you need to see consistency for a full four quarters um, because they put up an eight piece in the first half and then were held to three goals the rest of the game. Redwoods, I think some advantages they have in this game as well as Connor Farrell played. I still think having TD is an advantage. And I think the way we saw Jules play is a massive advantage. Um, I think this is going to be a close game, but I think it's a get right spot. And I think Redwoods take a close game against Chrome and get their first win of the season. ESPN plus 845 chaos archers. Very fun matchup on deck. I think what we saw from Archers was not terrible last week. I think Connor Simone played very well in the Grant Ament role. Uh, need to get Marcus Holman more looks to help this offense. I think that'll really help them a lot. Um, but when you got the best goalie on the planet and when you got a chaos team that didn't look bad, with quote-unquote replacement players, and now you get big body Austin Stotts back to kind of play bully ball up the middle. I'm not taking Andy Towers. for I'm, I'm not going to pick against Andy Towers after losing a one-goal game to Whip Snakes in the final seconds. He's pissed off. He's going to want to punch people in the chest. Give me chaos to get a big dub in Austin Stotts' return to the lineup. Uh, and look for the the chaotic seals to have a very good game this weekend because I think they're going to use that to their advantage. Give me chaos over the archers. Uh, I like chaos and it's and it's simple. I, I got a lot of trust in the defense. Um, Eleven plus eighty eight equals ninety nine. Those guys have been phenomenal. CJ Costigo and Troy Ray are doing their thing. Um, Glick and uh, the rest of their short stick Demez are doing well. Uh, as well, playing a very good um, six-man cohesive unit, and then you add the brick wall and net with Blaze. I uh, I really like that side of the ball to really handle things. Offense may have troubles at the beginning, 
but I think defense is really going to be able to keep keep it in reach and uh, they'll be able to hold it out. So I'll take chaos. And I think it helps for chaos that you have a guy who knows the PLL cadence where archers are going to have a first time faceoff guy with Anasio out. Um, and also just it's it's one of those things where like you said the the defense for chaos looked exceptional last week um but i i really like tk in the in the face-off position to be there and and win that matchup at the stripe over uh a first-time guy once again for archers um so give me chaos give dj chaos ESPN 2 on Saturday, 6 p.m. Eastern Time. Atlas Cannons. The Speed Boy Battle. How do you see this one playing out, Deej? I got to give a slight advantage to Atlas, and I'll take him to win just because Trevor hasn't taken a beat off. I mean, look back all the way back to, I mean, I guess we can start with last summer. Phenomenal last summer. Rolled right in the wings. Uh, NLL played well for the Wings all all winter. Came back out first game of the year looking great for Atlas. I assume he keeps it rolling. And like I said, in just a few minutes ago in our preview, the stripe will be the thing to look at in this game. He's going to take control. And um, even as good as Bones has been this year, and I think he'll still have a good game, Trevor's going to be a little too much. Ball's going to be in that crazy offensive hands of uh, the Atlas too much. And they'll win. It may not be by a lot, five or less, but nonetheless, they win. Yeah, I, I got to go Atlas as well, simply for Trevor Baptiste being the face-off guy. And that's no slight to Bones because he played well. Um, but with Bones, it's a matter of seeing the consistency there. I think this is going to be a high-scoring game. I think it could be very similar to what we saw in Baltimore last year. Um both of these defenses played very well last week. Brody Merrill coming back could be a huge factor for Cannons. Um, but I also like Romar being introduced into this midfield this week for the first time this season. What he brings to the field is exceptional. I love his play style. And uh, if he gets going out of the midfield for this Atlas team, look out. Because it just adds another dimension to what this team can do. Um, so give me Atlas as well. Final game of the weekend down in Charlotte. Whip Snakes, Water Dogs, 8.45 p.m. Eastern Time on Saturday night. Water Dogs got things going in that second half last week against Cannons. I think the biggest thing was just they were not expecting to see what they saw from Bones Kelly, and they couldn't get possessions, and that's why they didn't get uh, as many scoring opportunities as they did. I love their defensive unit. Um, and I think they have the, the depth and the speed to really go toe to toe with this whip snakes team. The biggest thing is they got to get Ryan Brown going. If they can get him cooking from all angles, um, to really start scoring for this team, that's a huge benefit. And that's what really makes this water dogs team tick. And I think it'll only benefit Michael Sowers. It'll benefit Ethan Walker. It'll benefit everybody on this water dogs offense. Uh, so I'm going to go water dogs in a close, pretty decently high scoring matchup. I think there's going to be a lot of offense in this game, um, but I think water dogs win and uh, get their first dub of the season. So there's this little thing called great minds. 
Andy Copeland's a great coach. I'm a great coach. Great minds think alike. Andy Copeland's going to switch Ethan Walker and Kieran McCardinal. Kieran McCardinal, that offense is going to play phenomenal. Withers is going to give the ball plenty of times. But I think it just comes down to the fact that that Whip's defense has been struggling. Water Dogs offense looks like they kind of found it at the end, but are still searching. So I think they're they're hungry. They want to finally click and roll with it like they did last year. I think this is a good a good game for them to do that with a struggling defense. So I think they find that stride at least for this week and are able to come out with a win. So I'll take the Water Dogs as well. So to recap, DJ's got Chrome, Chaos, Atlas, Water Dogs. I've got Redwoods, Chaos, Atlas, Water Dogs. So we do have a swing game for the first time this year. As we both went 0-4 last week in our picks. Uh, but those are our PLL Charlotte picks of the week. Brought to you by the homies over at Pickup. It's going to be a fun weekend of lacrosse once again. Make sure you guys are following us on the socials at OTB Pod, Twitter, Instagram, keep your eyes peeled for the Albany vlog coming at you this weekend. And uh, make sure you're following DJ on Twitter at SCS underscore next great. Follow me at KBIZZL311. Check out the website, undergroundsportsphiladelphia.com, for all of our written content. Subscribe to the podcast feed, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Leave those five-star ratings and reviews. And, of course, subscribe to the Underground Sports Philadelphia YouTube channel. Hit the like button, the bell icon, all that good stuff. Get the comment section flowing and uh, join our Twitter communities. And DJ and I have a fun uh, Player Royale little uh, back and forth that we're going to have on the show uh, starting next week. So you'll get all the details once uh, this weekend goes down. But if you're playing... Do we give out our squads this week? Yeah, we can give out our squads to end the show. If you're playing Player Royale, send us the matchups. I think they fix things to where now you can send the link. Because last week I was having trouble accepting matchups for some reason. Um, but I think we can. I can take them now. So send us your links for uh, Player Royale. But let the people know your uh, your roster, Deej. I got a banger of a lineup this week. I don't think anyone in the country is going to beat me, anyone in the world for that matter, is going to beat me. Um, coming in hot, Tier 1 at attack, Jeff T. Mitty, Tier 1, Jules Henningberg. D, Tier 2, Troy Ray. Face-off, Tier 3, TD Erlin. And goalie, Tier 2, Blaze Ritter. Banger lineup projected for 91.4. I am uh, running it back in two spots. So my attack, Tier 1, going with Lyle Thompson once again. My midfield, just this is this is ridiculous that he's Tier 3. Captain America, Tom Schreiber. My defense, Tier 2, Eli Gobrecht, friend of the program. My face-off, Tier 1, Trevor Baptiste. And my Tier 2 goalie, the brick wall himself. Blaze Reardon projected 86.6 points, which I already know will be higher because Tom Shriver is not putting up only four points again this week. Uh, so that's our matchup. DJ and I have a fun little 
situation going on, which we'll detail next week once we see how everything plays out. Um, but that's why you got to listen to the podcast. And that's why the real ones listen all the way through to every second of the podcast. Um, but do we, do we vlog send us the our, challenges. Do we vlog our at-home watches next week? <laughs> <laughs> that would be hilarious. Put together an at-home vlog. What's up, guys? Welcome back to my couch. All right, guys. I finally made it home for my tournament. <laughs> now we'll go to DJ's Dungeon and watch the game the right way. Tweet at us, at OTBLagsPod, if you want the at-home vlogs every weekend that we're at home and not on the road. That would be iconic. That'd I don't think hilarious. anyone's ever really done that. It's like iCarly. It'll be electric. I I apologize in advance for me panning over to my screen, and you're probably going to see nothing but white. <laughs> but I'm sure I'm going to see something and just instantly go, oh, my God. <laughs> and it's going to be nothing but a white screen. I'm sorry. <laughs> in advance. I'm going to be like, boy, I'm about to yell, freeze it right here. <laughs> I'm about to yell, freeze it right here so loud. Oh, man. It's going to be a fun weekend in Charlotte. If you're going to be in Charlotte, tweet at us. We want to see pictures. We want to see all the good stuff, where you're sitting. And uh, enjoy a fun-filled weekend of lacrosse, NLL finals, PLL Charlotte. It's going to be a doozy of a weekend. But this has been episode number 225 of the allegedly award-nominated, honorably mentioned, and, of course, viewable on YouTube, Outside the Box Podcast, part of the Underground Sports Philadelphia Podcast Network. Big thank you to our sponsors, Tomahawk Shades, Kenwood Beer, and Bino Board. All of their information is linked in the podcast notes and the YouTube description. Use our codes at their website to help support our sponsors. It helps support us and all that good stuff. Uh, but until next week, we will catch you guys on the flip side where I'll be on Long Island hanging out with some of the the underground golfers next week. But I'll be at Hofstra. So if you're going to be on Long Island, let us know. And uh, until then, we're getting the hell out of here. Peace. Peace.